0: Law enforcement today radio show i'm your host my name is john j wiley in addition to being a radio broadcaster i'm a retired baltimore police sergeant in the law enforcement today radio show we are joined by a special guests. we'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers their families and the community we'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a retired police officer. He's a Gulf War combat veteran, and he's had his nursing license for more than 30 years. And He's here to talk about post-traumatic stress and so much more on the Law Enforcement Today show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at TransformationsTreatment Center. Calling us from Southern California on the phone, Michael Zanito. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today Show.
1: Hey, thanks a lot for having me too. Is it okay to call you Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah, Mike, Mike, perfect.
0: Okay, uh, some people, you know, especially California people, not not that I'm judging or trying to show <laughs> throw shade here. No, my name is Michael. So, no, uh, Mike
1: is just fine.
0: Mike's fine, good. Before we get into details, you got a pretty impressive background. Give people just a brief overview of your experience. We'll talk more about that later on, but start to finish law enforcement and all everything else that goes with that.
1: Yes, started off in uh, as a Navy corpsman. Uh, basically, it's a the medical part of the uh, Navy. Uh served with the Marine Corps. I was a Gulf War veteran. And then uh, when I got out of the military, I actually went and got my nursing license, and I've had my nursing license for a little over 30 years, as well as an EMT and paramedic certificate as well. And then I was uh, deciding that I wanted to do a different career, and I had always wanted to be a police officer. So I started out as a reserve officer in the early 90s and then finished out as a full-time officer and retired in 2014, uh, working several bureaus in the department, Everything pretty much except for being a motor and a canine. I worked SWAT, narcotics, um, gangs, you name it. I pretty much did it in the police department. Been there, done that,
0: got the t-shirt, and it goes along with thank you. And all oh, honesty, thank you for your service. The, the Navy corpsmen don't get enough credit, in my opinion. I grew up in a career Navy family, and this is just a very quick story. I was going the doctors left and right I had tonsils removed adenoids removed always had like cold like symptoms And i went for a physical for high school and a navy corpsman took one look at me and said how are your allergies and we all went what are you talking about we went to a doctor got tested i was allergic, allergic to cats i had a cat i was allergic to dust mold mildew and it was a navy corpsman who diagnosed it he said oh yeah i could tell by the the color and the shape of your nostrils and the dark shadows under your eyes. I was like, how does this guy, he was amazing. So from what little I know, the, the Navy corpsmen, they they see a lot of combat, especially ones that are assigned to the Marine Corps, and they deal and address all the trauma needs for the wounded Marines. Is that what you did?
1: That's correct. That's absolutely correct. We are, we are the field docs, if you will. In fact, they refer to us as devil docs. Like the devil dog Marine Corps, we're devil docs. Um, it's funny you say that the, the Navy corpsmen are really not recognized as much, but it's one of those kind of things, and this goes back to the World Wars One and Two that corpsmen and Marine Corps are like literally like a brotherhood. Even though yeah. they're the same department, the Marines have just as much respect for the Navy corpsmen in any of the Navy jobs that the Navy corpsmen have for the Marines themselves.
0: So thank you for your service there. That's uh, thank
1: you. huge. And.
0: I've gotten better at saying thank you for your service for law enforcement and first responders because I haven't been very good at doing that. But having done the job in Baltimore, I know what that entails. I know what a toll it takes on people. I don't know the toll that that military combat takes is I'm not a military veteran or combat veteran. So thank you for your service as well. Thank you very, very much. My first wife, by the way, was an emergency room nurse at Johns Hopkins University uh, Hospital and the trauma unit, and she saw lots and lots of trauma in Baltimore. So to have someone of your caliber with the military combat corpsman experience, the registered nurse experience, the EMT, the paramedic, and a career police officer, dude, you're like first responder extraordinaire. You got it all wrapped (laughs) up in one package.
1: My family tells me that I'm like the, the jack of all trades with a huge heart, and I have a caring to a fault is the way they describe me.
0: And that's, that's a good description for a lot of people I know that are in law enforcement. Carrying to a fault is a great description because, well, I can only speak for me. After years and years of seeing everything I saw and everything went through and all the violence, you develop a thick outer skin, almost like a protective armor, because otherwise, just the death and destruction and the trauma you see all the time, it would be heartbreaking and crushing. And there were times that it was. I mean, I remember crying uncontrollably, driving home after work, especially when children were killed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that just doesn't go away. And yeah. if all these years later, I mean, I'm retired now, 27 years. I got hurt and retired young at the ripe old age of 33. Wow. And I still am affected by these things, especially when something comes that reminds me of it
1: television. But you're trained, you're trained that way to be, you know, back in the day you're, you're trained to basically go in and and handle anything from the little cat in the tree, because I've taken cats out of trees even before the fire department gets there and, and, and then going in there and waiting and basically not waiting until the smoke clear, but go in and make that smoke clear for so it's safe for everybody else to come in and help.
0: And it takes a toll. It takes a big yeah. toll and we're going to talk it about does. that Before we get into the details, because we've already started having a conversation, tell people, you have an organization, you are dedicating your life to helping others, other first responders, and particularly when it comes to post-traumatic stress. Tell us where people get more information and what you do.
1: Yes, I do. And the organization is, it's called Peacekeepers for Life Incorporated. And basically what I'm doing is it's a nonprofit that I've been, it's been in the works for about the last two and a half years, and I literally just launched it. October of 2018. And basically, my thought process into this project is that using all of my disciplines and thinking past the fact that I have the career now or the careers done, but all the different dynamics of my careers that I've chose, they all intertwine. Guys join the military, girls join the military out of high school more times than not. They do a couple of years, they do their contract, they get out, then they choose another career. Whether they go into nursing because they were in the medical, whether they go into firefighting because they were in the emergency services type of military stuff, or they go into law enforcement. And all these military people, if you will, they go into this next new career that has the potential for stress type situations that they're going to be put into. But if, like, now in this day and age, we've got the Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, and then the Gulf War from the 90s, all of those veterans that are coming out of the military and going to these other services, first responders, police, fire, nursing, any of that kind of stuff, even dispatchers. Dispatchers are even under this umbrella that I'm fighting yeah. a lot more as I go through this, is that they're bringing some of that post-traumatic stress that they already have already been exposed to as a kid, and not really properly trained on how to deal with that dynamic. And some of them have never even seen anything worse than a paper cut, and they're thrown into the the fire or the pack of wolves, if you will. So now they're coming into this new career, the first responder career, and they are being thrown in again. They get more training. However, they're being put into situations that maybe they're not used to seeing, and they're kind of being trained to say, hey, you know, suck it up, let's go, let's get back in the fight, let's move on. Also, being trained like that in the military, okay, yeah, you got hurt, but we got to get up and still finish the mission. And then the adrenaline and all that kind of stuff, and then as things settle, it's like, wow, I went through a lot of stuff, I'm feeling really weird, what do I do? So this organization that I started is basically going to be an education and advocacy program where... I literally travel the country and talk to, pretty much, and I'll simplify it, anybody that will listen. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be a police department command staff, but it can be the rank and file at an annual inspection where I'm talking to the whole department, talking to police academy uh, recruits about things that they will come in contact with in the police department job. Fire department academy recruits, talk to them. Go talk at a dispatcher conference. But I'm basically educating and advocating about the effects of PTSD in police, fire, military, first responders, dispatchers, nurses, pretty much anybody who's going to see something gruesome in their life during their career path. But I'm not bringing it from the clinical or the, um, I don't want to say educational because that's kind of downplaying a little bit, but I'm bringing it from the streets and trenches perspective. I will tell you, in my careers of both military as well as police, I have gone to counseling myself and talked about some of the things that i would seen over my years of my career path and whatnot. And basically, I got really frustrated on several occasions because I'd be sitting in this really nice office, really nice couches, sitting across from someone, most of the time younger than myself, who has a little bit of life experience, who's really book smart, and it reflects on their walls of their diplomas and all their nice little certificates that they have on the wall. But they've never been a police officer. They've never been a firefighter. They've never been a nurse. They've never been in the military. They have family who's been in it. But they don't have any idea or seen any of that stuff that I'm talking about firsthand.
0: All right, we're going to take so, a short break. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We're talking Mike Zedito. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We all know that law enforcement for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists, helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. company to get rid of your expensive timeshare call now and see if we can help you at resort release you don't pay anything until you're ready if you're ready to learn how to permanently get rid of your costly timeshare make this complimentary free call right now
2: 800-472-0214 800-472-0214 800-472-0214 that's 800-472-0214
0: When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Back to our conversation with Michael Zanino. Mike, career law enforcement officer, Navy corpsman, nurse, EMT paramedic. You've, you've had to see it all, done it all, and now you're dedicating your life to helping first responders. You made a good point earlier, dispatchers. I was not aware until we've had several guests on the show that were dispatchers, what it was like from their perspective and how difficult it would be. And the way I try to explain it is I remember we'd get a bad call. Let's just say a child stopped breathing, it's a medical emergency, and your mind's like a I got to get there. Can't have an accident. Your adrenaline goes up. What am I going to do? What to get there? And the, everything starts responding physically, not just mentally. Same when it's a life threatening. Shots fired. Whatever it might be. I never considered what it's like for the dispatchers on the other end that can't get there. that they go through the same physiological changes that we did?
1: Absolutely. They're in fact another thing to think about with dispatchers is that uh, you know they're the call takers. They're the first line of that defense or that line of safety. And they've got a split second to make that split second decision, whether it's medical, whether it's police, you know, whether it's some another kind of emergency. And then I'll tell you, cops are their own worst enemies because cops will get to the situation and it will be nothing like the call that's entered by the dispatcher. And then instead of the police officer going back and saying, hey, what did they tell you? The dispatchers are automatically getting ridiculed and slammed whether it's over the radio over the mdt or they're just directly going and complaining to the supervisor, saying you know this dispatcher is a you know an idiot or whatever and they just they didn't get the right information and now the dispatcher again they're the ones taking the call they hear what's going on they put the information in as best as they can based on what they have and then you know it, it it's you know, whether it's made up, fabricated on the other end, they're trying to get the cops there quick because they got a, a lunch date or whatever. But the dispatchers take a, a big brunt of they that do. abuse from the police. And we're so
0: lucky in, in America, unless you live in, I always say like Alaska, where help may be, you know, a couple of days away. Right. If you have an emergency, you can pick up the phone. You can call 911 and you can have a firefighter, EMT, a police officer right there within moments. Uh, yeah, so imagine exactly. picking up the, the phone when we have an emergency and there's no one there to answer it. Or let's say you get a, a dispatcher that's extremely overworked, overwhelmed, stressed out, PTSing, and then they get a call to a firefighter, EMT, and a police officer, and I've read studies that 30% of our first responders are walking around with some degree of post-traumatic stress. Absolutely. Uh, and Absolutely. and that when that man or woman gets there, and all of a sudden they, I hate this word, triggered, but they they start reacting. They start getting angry. They start getting hostile. They start aggressive. And people are like, oh, that's a bad person there. They they need to be fired. There's something wrong with them. They're evil. Instead exactly. of looking and saying, hey, this is a person who needs some help. And we should be doing something as a society to help them because we rely on them for our own protection.
1: They, they as are we, come from the human race. They're doing a job that most people don't want to do or can't do because they just don't have, the, they don't have the niche, the knack. I mean, they're just the, the patience, if you will, because both those jobs, police and dispatch, require a lot of patience.
0: Yeah, and I don't have a lot. The older I get, the less I seem to have. <laughs> I think that's all of it. I don't know if that's just a byproduct of police work, but I always tell people, and my wife will say, "Hey, did you see this, this dash cam video on Facebook?" I'm like, I I, I can't watch those. I try to with the radio show. I have to sometimes, but right. I notice right away. I start getting. I've actually yelled at the at the computer. Hit that gun! You know, my adrenaline starts going. And next thing you know, it's like I'm in the street. I'm in a battle. I'm in a gunfight again. And you know what happens after that, Mike? I know you're going to know what happens. Is I am physically uncomfortable for hours. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I, were, just, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah.
0: talk to people. I don't want to be around people. I want to go decompress somewhere. I'm doing the uh, the deep breathing and all the stuff that seems so ridiculous way back in the day, but works.
1: It's one little thing, the one little trigger. It's that one little trigger that'll 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 never go away until we identify it and make and trying to find a way to be able be, just to just be able to to process it.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so much better than it used to be, and that's one of the messages I always try to get out to to people because you and I both know we have a huge problem, and we've had a huge problem for a very long time with a law enforcement officer related suicides, uh, first responder suicides, firefighters, military veterans.
1: Yeah, they're out of control right
0: now. Uh, you know, One of the things I think we need to do, and I want to bounce this off you, while administrations and city halls and police commissioners and chiefs have gotten more responsive, and we're doing a much better job when it comes to the critical incidents, we're not doing a very good job of the daily grind that, that these people go through. And one of the things I think that we as a community should be doing is talking to each other. When your coworker seems a little bit off, talk to them. Ask them. Ask her. Are you all right? I wasn't always all right. I did this. I drank too much. I did that. It created more problems. And, and yeah. am I onto something? Is that something we should be doing more of?
1: I, I will tell you. It's I, I refer to that as kind of a societal ignorance right now, because a lot of people are so self-absorbed with you know getting promoted and making themselves look better in everybody else's eyes. That we kind of tend to forget about the other person that's next to us, and it could be a coworker, even family. I mean, I I know some families growing up in police work where I got into the, the center of center core issues of the family problems with the, starting with a defiant teen, yeah, uh, parents that weren't getting along, simple simple things about uh, a kid who's struggling with bully issues and stuff, and it was one of those kind of things where you just ask the question. And if you can ask them face-to-face, it's great because then you can, you can use body language as some of your signals if the person's telling you stuff. But in police work, fire department, it's, it's tough guy and tough girl work. And right. for someone to come up to you in the locker room and say, hey, you know, that was a really bad call, but how you doing? And that guy's the, you know, the big SWAT guy who's tough and got to be, you know, got to be macho in front of everybody. More times than not, they're like, oh, I'm fine. No, I'm fine and then they go home and they deal with it. However, they deal with it. Well, and it's usually an
0: unhealthy manner that when we go home and deal with it.
1: Absolutely. The alcohol, the drugs, you know, yell at the wife, yell at the kids, whatever. It's it's that's not okay, but it's become a routine in our society, if you will. And it's one of those kind of things where my one concern is is I don't want the knee-jerk reaction that I'm starting to see the cycle in Cities and command staff, where they're starting to identify it as a workman's comp issue, because again, and it goes back to a conversation I had with someone a couple weeks ago. I don't like the PTSD. I don't like the D of it. I hate disorder, the D of it.
0: It's an it's yeah. an injury, if you ask yeah,
1: it's me. It's not the a PTSD disorder. PSI. It's an injury or an illness, because yeah. both an injury and an illness can be fixed. Right. A disorder means something's wrong with that person. Yeah mental health is something it's a psyche it's a psyche misfire however you want to look at it from a clinician's standpoint that's you know that's that's for them to decide but thinking about it as an injury and an illness it means that there is light at the end of the tunnel that can be fixed it gives that person hope in the back of their mind it gives the people that are around them hope that we can fix and make those things that those ugly things that they saw that they're they feel like they can't unsee they can make them go away and make them make them lighter than what they are when they when they went through. You are so right.
0: We're going to talk more about that in just a few moments. Our guest on the phone Michael Zanito, retired police officer, medical Navy corpsman, EMT paramedic and nurse talking about PTS PTSI and so much more coming up on the Law Enforcement Show. Don't go
2: anywhere. We'll be right back. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786. 800-932-1786. Are you struggling with vision loss as you get older? Do you have a child who is blind or losing their vision? Are you a blind person wondering how you'll succeed in school, at work, or as a parent? We can help. The National Federation of the Blind knows that blindness doesn't have to keep you from living the life you want. We invite you to learn more about us and how we can help at nfb.org. The National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want.
3: Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center.
0: Back to the Law Enforcement Today show, our guest, Michael Zanito, on the phone, calling us from Southern California. Mike, uh, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: and I really appreciate you having me on here.
0: I'm so glad you said what you said at the end of the last segment about PTSD versus PTSI. I personally believe that more military uh, veterans, more first responders, dispatchers, corrections officers, nurses... EMTs, firefighters, police officers, deputy sheriffs—whatever terminology you want to use—would be more willing to seek help if we didn't have the stigma of the mental disorder that goes along with the symptoms of PTSD in inscription.
1: description. i, I really am convinced right. of that. You're absolutely right, and it's it, it's another one of those kind of things where, with my mission or my cause, if you will, is that. I I really emphasize the streets and the trenches perspective because I honestly am going at this face-to-face, both feet forward, at a running pace that basically I'm going to go into a room, 300 to 3,000, 5,000, whatever, go in there, tell my story, talk about things that I've been exposed to, not details, of course, because I don't want to trigger anything in the room, but talk about things that I've been exposed to what are some things and avenues that I've used on, on the out and firsthand perspective? That way I can identify with the room more than just having a psychologist or psychiatrist come in and talk. And it's one of those kind of things where I think I'll, I'll grab the attention better. The concept will grab the attention better. And it's just like, just like with this radio show. People are going to listen to this and they're going to go, hmm, that's a different perspective to look at PTSD or PTSI. And it's, again, it's because we have been through a lot of those things. So we tell our story, we paint a picture and explain to people, hey, you're human, you're normal. You do see, see things that, that are not, not normal for everybody in, in the world to see. But guess what? You saw it, and now it's time to figure out a way and find out why your body's reacting the way it's reacting. Yeah. And it, gets into, it gets, in, gets into, like, body kinesiology, if you will. Um, but it 's one of those things where you know why is my blood pressure going up why Why did I get scared when i 've never been scared of anything like that before? you know why did and it 's simple of seeing blood and guts we get some people get nauseated well it 's a normal human physical reaction, but it doesn 't mean you 're abnormal it doesn 't mean you have a disorder. it means you have something that 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 was off in your body and and that 's what we 're going to talk about in, in in those in those talks and conferences that that I'm doing. Well, what
0: ended my career was I wound up hurting my wrist. A, a guy tried to shoot me with my service weapon while still in my hand. It was a life or death fight over it. And at first it seemed like it was sprained. Uh, well, But it turns out it was, I think the, they call it like a traumatic arthritis and tearing of ligaments and bone on bone. And so I've had two fusions, a couple steel plates and screws and all that. But what I'm getting at, Mike, is that no one And my family, or myself, most importantly myself, will think that my hand and my right wrist will be like it was before the injury. Right. If you break your arm and it has to be reset, you need pins and screws, no one expects it to be like it was before. You can still do a lot of things with it. You can have a full life. It can do a lot of things. But I don't have this unreasonable expectation that I'm going to be, voila, like I was before this bad stuff happened. Yet, when it comes to brain, so often when someone's been exposed to repeated trauma and violence and death and destruction, and there's that injury, for lack of better words, we seem to think that we can think our way out of it. We can use willpower, uh, suck it up, buttercup, you know, have a couple beers, and I'll be fine.
1: Exactly. And the other the other thing along that line is that with us being the protectors, whether we're police, fire, doesn't matter any any of those disciplines we've talked about in the prior segments is that we don't want to go home and talk to our wives, our kids about that incident because it was bad enough for us. And we want to protect our family and their psyche or their their mental their mental health or their, you know, their minds and hearts and not have them relive it with us. And then we leave it bottled up and, you know, and find our other coping mechanisms. Then we start to process it and we start to process it in our own way. And it doesn't go away unless we talk to somebody about it. But then on the other hand is that when we go home, what does the wife, what does the husband do? Honey, how was your day? You know, oh, did anything happen today at work? And you're sitting there, you know, after you got done with that that dead kid or that person that got killed or that bad car accident and you cried all the way home, your eyes are puffy, you walk in the door and, oh, everything's great yeah. because you want to protect them. Well, that's, it's, that's just a normal thing. I mean, we become cynical and and, and I, I'm trying to find the word for it. Uh, it's well, just, I think it's,
0: the, one of the words that, that really comes to mind and from my own experience is, is you begin to isolate. You isolate from the people that really matter. Absolutely. And it's done to protect them and to protect ourselves as well. I mean, I didn't want my wife to know how violent it really was. I didn't want her to be any more afraid than she already was. I didn't want my mother to be any more afraid than she was. Right. Uh, So I didn't want to talk about it. And I also, there was a protective measure I didn't want to talk about it either because I couldn't talk about things like that and not respond. And I wound up usually responding
1: by getting very angry. Yes, yes. And it's, it, it's, a, it's just, it's a normal, it's a, I don't want to say it's a natural reaction, but it's a reaction that at the partic- particular time in that moment when you're being asked, you know, your response is just leave me alone. I, yeah. I'm fine. I'll be fine. Just give me a minute. You know, give me some time, whatever it is. And then um, that
0: person that funny. loves you thinks like, well, what did I do wrong?
1: And, I, and exactly. why are you
0: jumping all over me?
1: And I will tell you early in my police career, I took my wife at the time on a ride along with me. Are you And that's, that's the exact reaction that I got because for the first five years of our marriage, she was like, I don't even know what you do. I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to worry about you, but I do worry about you because you're a police officer, but I, I don't know what you do. So I finally just got tired of hearing that. And I said, okay, come on, come on on a ride along. And it was an afternoon shift and went, And we got in a pursuit of a stolen vehicle and ended up the kid bailed out of the car. The car rolled into a house, and I held him at gunpoint for what what felt like 20 minutes until my backup arrived. And she's hunkered down in the fetal position in the the floorboard of the passenger seat of the police unit, and she's like, I want to go home. I don't want to do this anymore. So I thought my career was over because it was one of those kind of things, but it was one of those things where through the rest of our marriage— she had a whole different respect for my job, but yet now she didn't She didn't ask the questions of how my day was. If I came home quiet, she kind of just let me alone and we just, you know, did our own thing or whatever. And then if I came home and I wanted to talk about something, I'd talk, but she would understand that I wasn't giving her full details about what would happen. And I think that my situation's a little different because I had a chance to be exposed to different levels of traumatic events, but also I was a multi-hat wearer kind of guy. Just like police officers wear, you know, they wear a lot of hats, yes. counselors were, you know, protectors, all that kind of stuff. My thing is, is that I was able, as a nurse, you know, I got to give that compassion counseling about the loved one they just lost and go in with the doctor and, you know, say, I'm sorry this happened. So I have a different dynamic, a different outlook I get to look. So when I talk about stuff with that with my wife, it was one of those things where I just, you know, I, I didn't sugarcoat it, but I didn't give her all the details, but I was still able to talk a little bit to vent and get some of that off my chest, and that helped.
0: I think it's a great idea, and I'm glad it worked for you. I'm sitting here thinking, I wish I could have done that back in the day. I don't know that it would have prevented the, the end of our marriage. I would always say that, I have to look at my, my part of it, that my inability to handle better or more effectively the things that happened to me as a result of being a police officer or a police sergeant in Baltimore is what contributed largely to the the end of our marriage uh, for a long time i was so focused on her and what she did didn't do now i'm looking at i brought this perspective into the family dynamic and i need to find a way to get better at dealing with it and handling it and how to have a better life in spite of we're talking with michael zanito this is law enforcement today's show i promise you you don't want to miss the rest of the conversation so don't go anywhere we'll be right back
2: want to fly somewhere looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603 800-451-8603 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 We all know that law enforcement
0: for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 online at Center.
2: My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch.
1: One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello.
0: Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at Lunch.org. This message
1: brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
0: Back to our conversation with Michael Zanito on the Law Enforcement Today show. I'll be honest with you. I loved being a police officer. I still am very proud of what I did. I'm not always happy about the after effects, the physical effects and, well, say mental effects, that's physical as well. It's not just a mental thing. And I always say to a lot of people, and they say to me too on the show, look, look, I'm damaged goods, and I go, I am too, and then we laugh and laugh. And they say, by the way, welcome to the club. It's a big club. There's lots of people in this club of damaged goods. And it doesn't mean that life is over or horrible. That's the message I want to get to, people. It just means that I have to recognize my limitations and that uh, they're nowhere near what people would think. When we look at the media and their influence, we look at cop films and cop movies. They always betray at least one guy, the same with firefighters, one guy that is a drunkard, he drinks too much, he's been divorced three times, he's behind his alimony, he doesn't see his kids and he's popping pills. And I look at that guy differently now I look at it as probably a suffering person is probably suffering from some, some degree of PTS and possibly addiction issues as well. But they want to portray this guy as just an evil, vicious, no good bum. And that's, that's how they
1: get the ratings.
0: Uh, and that's one message we're bombarded with. And the other one we get is we'll see movies and they'll say, uh, so-and-so is a combat veteran and he came back home. And I'm not saying this to make negative but he's got post traumatic disorder and he lives in the bushes and in the woods and camping society, and he'll cut your throat if you're not careful. And those right. are the two exp- extremes they always show. And that's not the reality of what we're dealing with.
1: It's, it's, it's really not. It's, it's one of those kind of things where, you know, take take the Vietnam era. They came home and every, they were all labeled as the baby killers. Okay. I talk to Vietnam vets almost three, four, five, six times a week at the local VA out here in California. And, you know, that's a stigma that they've had to live with for the last 50 years. And it's really unfortunate because they've got that label, but they're really not. You know, they weren't, nobody knows what they were doing over there. They were fighting a war that we shouldn't have been doing, and all that. But you've got guys like the police police uh, now, especially, and you bring up the media. You know, the probably the worst thing that I could say that affects PTSD and police suicide, fire suit, all that stuff today is the media is got it on the forefront because we are trying to get that whole stigma of cops are just out there to kill everybody and they don't care about criminals. They just want to kill anybody that's in front of their gun, and, and that's just not true. We we know that's just one complete extreme. Um, without naming you know particular cases that have happened all over all over the country this last couple of years. Right. Police suicides, first responder suicides has been something that has gone on for decades, but it's on the forefront today because we're talking about it. Um, PTSD is talked about. It's been around forever. It's gone through different labels. It's been shell shock. It's been you know, traumatic stress. It's been uh, CSID. I mean, it's got all kinds of different labels, but it's one of those kind of things where something has to be done because we need to slow the process down. I'm a realist. It's not something that I'm going to be able to save everybody with my mission, with my project, getting my team together. We're not going to be able to save every life, just like the whole 22 to none uh, veterans thing. And I'm not trying to downplay that or, or, or make that I get exactly bad. what you're saying. You, you, yeah.
0: You can only do what yeah. you can do. and You can't do more exactly.
1: than that. And it's one of those kind of things, like I said, we'll go talk at a conference. I'll talk to a couple hundred people. If one person stops me out in the hallway and says, "Hey, you know what you really hit home with what you're talking about my mission is complete for that for that speaking engagement because I, I hit somebody I got somebody and and it's and it's a, it's going to be a start there but it's one of those things where you also have and I, in fact I believe out in Florida is one of the first states where they're actually recognizing uh, PTSD as a workman's comp thing, and I think that's a great direction to go, but I also don't want it to be one of those things where, because at least out here in California, you mentioned anything about PTSD, stress, psych retirement, any of that, you automatically lose your, lose your gun. And it's one of those kind of things where a police officer getting their gun taken away in any situation messes with their mind, their, their psyche, everything, everything about their identity is around that gun and that badge. And when that's taken away, that can can have a negative impact that is irreparable for a long, long time. You get involved in an officer-involved shooting, they take your service revolver that you used in that shooting, but they replace it with another one. So you still have that identity as a police officer. When these videos are played on the media, The police officers involved, we all know, you know, due process, you're innocent till proven guilty. But those videos that are played and they never play the whole thing, they never play the beginning, the middle and the end. They always play the worst part that makes everybody look horrible on it, no matter who it is. Those cops already, they're watching that video on the media. They're going, I'm screwed. You know, I, I can't. There's nothing I can do. Maybe I did, and they start second guessing themselves. Everybody I did know the right did. Thing Every, everybody
0: knew that the what ifs and I could have, should have, would have. I mean, it's part of Absolutely. how you get better at your job. You I have hate to dissect. More
1: quarterbacks <laughs>
0: and, and police, by the way. As much as I love them, they are sometimes the worst at saying, "If I
1: was there, I'd done this. You should have done exactly." That. And,
0: and I always say, "You weren't there."
1: That's why I don't watch cops and live PD because you know they're only showing us the highlights of what's going to get the ratings. We don't see everything.
0: And the part of that problem, too, is they show the ratings. I'm going to the newspaper as an example. When they start off with a headline, it's going to start off with the end of this scenario first. Police officer shoots man. They don't right. talk with the beginning of what happened. Uh, here's an example. This man... Uh, had a long-standing drug and alcohol problem. He'd been sober a while. He decided to pick back up. He had a suspended driver's license. He decided, after drinking and drugging, to get in the car and drive. When the police went to pull him over, he decided to run. When he wrecked the car, he decided to get out and bail out on foot. When the officer came close to apprehending him, he decided to hold his, his cell phone in a way or a gun or a knife that was threatening, and the officer responded. They go right to the end. They don't talk yeah. about the decisions that the people in the society do. And I don't think that we get a fair representation of just how violent, without going into details about what happens daily, that our first responders are exposed to. And people think it's some yeah. sort of idyllic world here in the United States. But if you're a combat veteran and you served in Afghanistan or you served in Iraq, then we, oh, we know that's horrible. But East LA, no, no, that's fine there. It's wonderful.
1: Nothing bad happens there. Something that people really forget, especially from our generation in the 50s and 60s, you know, we were raised to basically, if we have a problem with something, come to it with a solution or a different way of doing it. Instead of just standing there and and moaning about how it went down, come up with a solution, come up with an idea about how it could be done differently, not just automatically judge and say, oh, this is horrible. All police are racist. All police are out there, you know, trying to kill everybody, and they're they're power hungry. They're trigger trigger hungry, happy. Whatever whatever the comments that are out there, that it is. But it's one of those things where that stigma is never going to go away until everybody involved, from the command staff, the lawyers, the city attorneys, the policymakers, government, and all that kind of stuff, comes to the reality is that police have a job they've got to do. Let them do their job the way they're trained. If they mess up and they go out of policy, they do something out of training, then hold them accountable. Right. But don't make it drastic to where they are the absolute worst person there because guess what? If they never got the radio call, they wouldn't have been there in the first exactly. place. Exactly.
0: Exactly. If, if people knew how to behave, you'd have to have a whole lot less police. If you exactly. had, uh, and, it, and I hate to say, make it sound so simple, if you do have to have an encounter with a police officer and- they say, stop, show your hands, comply. It's exactly. like it is comply. That will eliminate 95% of use of force. And we have a far less amount of use of force than people think there is.
1: That is um, absolutely right. But they and have this
0: this mindset or told the media and social media is a big part of it, that officers are shooting people left and right. Uh, the one that gets me the most too, besides people, is like, oh, they'll shoot every dog they see. What? Yeah. Where does that come from? I've never known I, I, anybody to do that. I've never,
1: I've never shot a dog. No,
0: and that's the last thing I ever want to do. I, and I never not want to shoot a person either. We're getting close on time. You brought up so many things and I, you want to do is we have to have you back because there's so many conversations to have. There's so Absolutely. many things to talk about. When we talk about PTS, that's the end result of being exposed to so much stuff. Life does get better. So tell people to get more information about you and what you offer.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to give you my phone number directly. It's uh, 714-290-2571. That rings right to me. And uh, if I don't answer it, it will be forwarded to someone who will. And uh, my organization is Peacekeepers for Life. The motto is it never stops even when you come home. On, off duty, after you retire, it never stops. The mindset's still there. And basically, we are here for any type of speaking engagements, conferences, anything that we can go out and educate and advocate the public. And that includes community groups and churches, It's pretty much anybody that really wants to talk and learn about advocacy and education about PTSI.
0: Michael PTSD. Zanito, thanks so very much for your service and thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated.
1: Thank you very much. Take care.
0: Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.